You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is the Texans' season officially over after three games? The Bills and Browns have more wins than zero. That's how many the Texans have after losing their home opener, 27-22. Welcome aboard, everybody. Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk Podcast with you, along with co-host Brian Patterson from Fansided's HouseofHouston.com. We also have a special guest, our correspondent with Locked On Texans, part of the family his name, Calvin Crawford, who's doing some great work for us. Thanks for diving into Locked On Texans, everybody. Your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. And J.J. Watt had three sacks. Great. Deshaun Watson, 24 for 40 with 385 yards, two TDs, and an interception. That sounds good. Will Fuller, 11 catches, 101 yards. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, 10 catches, 86 yards. But guess what, Brian? The Texans lose... And only three teams in NFL history have made the playoffs after an 0 and 3 start. The likelihood of us making the playoffs, it's, you know, and I'm the most optimist. I'm the glass half full type guy, but I I just don't see it happening. I think we can salvage this season. I think we can make the most of it. But as far as us making the playoffs, uh, I just don't see it happening. Today was a must win. And we didn't get the job done. And, and we, we'll we talk about the excuses that Bill O'Brien gave this time at the press conference. He was real nonchalant about his responses because it sounds like, hey, I've got four years. You know, I've got an extension, you know, onto the one year that I had left. I'm five more years with the Texas. So unless they're going to buy out my contract, they're not going to get rid of me so I can just say what I want. But uh, it's, it's a real problem and I've got a solution for it. So we need to talk about that uh, as well because this can't continue. Yeah, I want to find out what salvage the season means for you, Brian, in a little bit. But, Calvin, your initial thoughts. I thought they – the first drive when the Texans got the ball, I thought they came out, they they threw it down the field, they were able to get uh, in, inside the red zone, and then you just get that, like, bad execution once again. You had back-to-back runs by Lamar Miller once they're inside, I think, the 10 – and then you had incomplete pass by Deshaun on third and goal. And then it's three, nothing when he fight, but you finally get something out of that first drive. But then the rest of the first half, I think it was three, three and outs or something like that. So they just, they, they started a little bit faster than they had in previous weeks, but the execution stalled after that first drive. I think the story really offensively, their first five trips to the red zone, the Texans kicked three field goals and had two turnovers, including another ill-advised throw by Deshaun, who for some reason trusted Lamar Miller to win a jump ball in the end zone when he was blanket covered. I mean, Deshaun, I love his aggressiveness, but there's you know smart aggression, and then there's not smart aggression. Uh, interesting to start the game. Greg Mance uh, was in at left guard. Kelamete, I guess it was a knee injury and in warm-up, said his knee felt off during the warm-ups, And he knew he couldn't go today. And it's weird because, you know, it wasn't like there was anything prior to that with Kelamete that would leave him out of the lineup. Uh, Greg Mance, I like Greg Mance a little bit better than Kelamete in pass coverage. But with the run, not so much. And then also uh, they had offensive line issues. And Brian, I mean, I hate to say I told you so, but we told you so. Julio Davenport, you throw him in at right tackle after 
basically seeing no action any time at all in the preseason. I didn't see him play right tackle in training camp. I don't know if he ever played right tackle in OTAs. I can't recall that. Minicamp, whatever. And he continues to look like a disaster. Three false starts and two holding calls. Five penalties for your right tackle. Took very little snaps in the preseason at right tackle, if any, if I recall. I know they were in the single digits. And then you throw them, you throw them in at right tackle. This guy is a natural uh, at left, but you put Martinez there. I mean, you've got... They they have to do something about that. Obviously, if there was somebody out there that they felt that was worth it, they would have already called him in. And I talked about this on last week's show. Why don't we bring in Chris Clark? Chris Clark is familiar with the system. Chris Clark is a tackle. Although he is not the best tackle out there, at least you would shore up at least some sort of part of that offensive line. And, of course, you wouldn't be having these issues if you didn't let Dwayne Brown go. But, again, that's on both sides. You know, Dwayne Brown said what he had to say. Texas didn't want to budge on giving him more money, so he's up in Seattle right now. That's that's nearly – that that's – you know, that's the whole issue there. If you would have had Dwayne Brown protecting Deshaun Watson, at least on that side, then you would have been there. But you've got two rookies, and it's unfair to them to say, hey, you know, they, they really are not performing. I mean, these guys are really trying to learn on the fly. And, you know, I just didn't think they were going to be this bad. But again, this is the pros, and they just haven't had time to go out there and prepare and to, to get accustomed to how it is to protect uh, guys in the NFL, and um, it's just asking too much out of those two guys. I think Davenport is a terrific offensive lineman, but he's playing out of position. He's not used to playing right tackle, and the false starts, the uh, you, yeah, that was frustrating as well. But you know, you kind of expected that to happen. And Martinez Rankin, especially uh, you know, in, you know, different parts of the game, it looks like he was getting put on skates. He was, <laughs> you know, he he got blown by again. But it's just going to be a situation where. Um, it's just going to be growing pains at the offensive line and not seeing CDO Calamante out there was different. I'm like, wait a minute, where's 68 at? And I'm looking at 65. I'm like, what, what's Greg doing in there? So comes to find out that he got the knee injury. It was during warmups. He was on a stationary bike and apparently it just didn't get better. So stay tuned for that. Who are we going to be putting in that guard? Are they going to get somebody off the practice squad to help out with that? That's interesting. I wonder where we're going there. But that's where I would go. If it was a smart team, you know, I would say this is what I would do here. Uh, I would take uh, Martinez Rankin. I would move him to left guard. I think he would be more comfortable there. I think he would be a much better player at left guard. I, I don't think the guy would be playing like he's scared to death. And then I think I would move Julio and Davenport back over to left tackle where I feel like he would be way more comfortable Maybe it would be the same sad story. I don't think so. I think he's played there his whole life. I think he feels more comfortable. The false starts, all that stuff. When you're doing, when you're false starting three times, you're scared to get that that the guy's going to just run by you, and 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 that's what's going on with Davenport. And then you know, if it's Kendall Lamb, if you bring in Chris Clark, I don't care. Uh, do something different at right tackle than you're doing, but you, you can't continue to do the same old song, different day. Uh, it's it just, it, it's not going to work at all. Uh, you know, it, it, I don't know what you do, uh, 
for some other issues that they've got on this team. But the offensive line, it seems like there's some really simple solutions, Calvin. I, You know, that's the most frustrating thing. And, I mean, you followed the Cowboys for the last few years, so you've seen what a good offensive line looks like. How bad do you think the Texans look? Yeah, I mean, you all kind of said it. I'm looking at my notes from uh, the first half, and it looks like they were driving down to get, hopefully, a touchdown uh, before the first half. And you, they get all the way down. I think it was to the five. And then you have, I think it was a third false start of the first half on Davenport that forced, uh, after the spike that Deshaun had, and it forced them back, I think, to the 12. And they had an incomplete pass, and they had a force of field goal. And so instead of 20 to 10, you're looking at 20 to 6 at halftime. So it just honestly looked like a drive killer. And then you're starting to see the problems when you don't have a good offensive line with, like you said, the Cowboys have been kind of like the model of consistency around the league. And you have Travis Frederick out with Gillian Beret syndrome. And then uh, you're still having a little bit of problems now that I'm watching. But like like y'all said, they they got to do something. They got to they got to fig- they got to figure it out. Or like I think I tweeted it out. I think Davenport's going to find himself working at Home Depot if he can't figure it out. Yeah. And, and it's unfortunate because, like we said, it, this is not Davenport's problem. This is the Texans coaching staff problem. Mike Devlin should have been done a long time ago. I don't know why he's still here. What a mess. What what a mess. It, it just a bit. I, we got to talk more about Deshaun and, and then we'll get into the defense because I've got I got issues. I got issues with the defense. But uh, in just a bit, I'm going to hit you with some hard to believe stats about Deshaun Watson. But first, got to tell you about two shows on the Lockdown Network. We got Lockdown Fantasy Football 24-7. Hey, great stuff. Latest news, waiver suggestions, injury news. We've also got Lockdown Fantasy Football Amazing guest every week. Monday, it's Tom Kessenich. Tuesday's Eric Edholm. Wednesday's Jeff Ratliff and Tyler Lechner. Check out our two Locked On Fantasy Football shows. And the Texans, hey, let's look at this game. They're favored by six points over the Giants. I was shocked by that, but I, I hope you guys didn't have money on the Texans. If you think you could make some money off the Texans, though, and you'd like to put a few bucks on that or whatever games in the coming weeks, you need to go to mybookie.ag. Remember who you're betting on. It's just as important as who you're betting with. They've been in the business for years. You know, they've got great reviews. Their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service that's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to mybookie. You win, they pay. Get in-game live betting over unders on fantasy points scored and the most rewarding player perks in the biz. MyBookie is slammed with new betters. But they want to give you the best service available. And if you're willing to deposit after 6 p.m. Central, they're going to give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. The promo code LOCKEDON activates the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. If you wait till 6 p.m., you can get an extra $25 free play by using promo code LOCKEDON25. Go ahead and wait uh, until after dinner and take that extra money for sure. My bookie, you win, you play, or you play, you win, you get paid. All right, here are Deshaun's career stats after nine starts, 10 games overall. 24 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, but his record as a starter, Brian, is three and six. And I don't know what you saw today. You know, he's got some good moments. He's got some bad moments. I threw throughout the stats overall, but some of that was in trash time. They went down the field and scored that last touchdown. But boy, there was some throws that he made that you're just like, 
he's not within five yards of a receipt. You know, he missed guys in a big, big, big way. There was a play that Sean might've scored a touchdown or gotten down to the three yard line. He threw one up along the, the, the sideline. Uh, if you're watching on television, it was that far sideline, Brian, and he had a one-on-one matchup and, you know, Deshaun usually wins. You throw it, give him a nice jump ball there and he's going to win that one. But, you know, Deshaun, I mean, uh, DeAndre missed him there and it, it's, or Deshaun missed DeAndre there, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's frustrating because this is not the same guy we saw last year. We knew there was going to be a learning curve. I didn't think he would take this much of a regression. Yeah. And he threw, it seemed like he was throwing behind his uh, receivers, you know, throughout the game, you know, they had to come up and get it. And if it wasn't for DeAndre Hopkins athleticism, um, that that's the whole situation there. If it wasn't for him, he, you know, we, he wouldn't have all those catches. Uh, Will Fuller, nice touchdown catch. You know, these are these guys are athletes and they're just going to go up there, haul it down and and get it. And this is what we didn't see, of course, last season. But let me tell you what we can do to get this fixed. What we need to do is just bring Sean Ryan. He's a quarterback's coach. Have him call the plays. Have him call the plays because they already have a rapport with each other. They work with each other every week. Uh, I think Bill needs to go on in, just relieve duties of office coordinator. And this has happened before. Deshaun says it's not the play calling, Brian. Deshaun says, no, it's not the play calling. OB said it is, it is the play calling. So they're, they're, both of them are trying to take the bullet. But he's, Deshaun says it's not the play calling. And he said at the press conference, uh, pretty much, he's like, I got to do a better job of play calling, you know, and, and you know, and this is all on him. So this is what I, you, know, you can't really get another offensive coordinator in the middle of the season. You kind of have to do that after the season's over. But you promote somebody from your staff and have him look under the hood and make sure everything looks fine. Because the problem is Bill O'Brien is having to worry about too many things, standing on the sideline calling the plays and whatnot. Plus he's worrying about other things like timeouts and, and clock management and whatnot. If you take that off of his hands, then things will go better. And I think George Gotze, I mean, that situation was just a disaster, but I think Sean Ryan, just with the knowledge that he has, the rapport that he has with Deshaun Watson, we can get better results out of this. You've got to do something because it, you're, you're down 0 and 3 you, you don't want to keep losing games. You're going to probably see the same thing next week. And that's I, that's certainly what I don't want to see is just the bumbling of, of the plays, just the continued ineptitude uh, on offense. And it seems like we don't get started really until late in the second quarter, like almost toward halftime. That's when the engine gets started. You pat the gas a little bit just to see if you can get it to turn over. Then it finally turns over right over the half. And then in the second half, that's when we're, you know, all go with it, you know, as far as in the game. So um, we just need some consistency and have great starts, you know, in the game. No fumbling, (laughs) not messing up on plays and whatnot. So that's the situation that's, that's in front of us right now with the offense. And the defense wasn't that much better either so that's a whole nother animal just just bad all around yeah calvin i'm gonna talk i'm gonna get on the defense in a little bit uh i'm gonna just get give the people what happened with the defense in this game first four texans possessions on defense every possession in the first half literally uh 10 play 75 yard giants td nine play 58 yard drive giants field goal 10 play 64 yard drive giants field goal six play 71 yard drive giants td uh, I, you know, they, they did not show up in the first half, Calvin and Whitney Merciless 
And Genevieve Clowney, there's an APB out for them because we can't find them. We cannot find them this year. They are not on the roster, apparently, because those guys are literally invisible. Other than yeah. the assisted tackle that, that he had, you know, on Saquon Barkley, I didn't see much about Merciless today. Oh, go ahead, Gavin. I'm so sorry. No, I was going to say, yeah, I, I think like they also had, I think it was Zach Cunningham guarding or uh, covering uh, Odell Beckham Jr. some plays and. Like, I don't know. They need to – the Texans play their best. Honest, they play their best football when they're from behind. Uh, the Texans run the hurry-up offense, obviously, in the third quarter because they got to get some points. And then in the third quarter, the Texans' defense had some three-and-outs there. But I, like you said, I just don't get the slow starts. I predicted this first game at home. They should have come out firing, pumped up, ready to play. And, again, like four four possessions for the Giants, four ended up with four trips to the red zone, and then uh, two field goals, two touchdowns to close out the first half. So yeah, I I really don't get what the difference is between the first half and the second half. If it's all adjustments, or if it's all you need to come out see what they do and like uh, figure out how to adjust to it. I I really do not get it. All right, this is where I want to get into the defense right now because Brian, we've given Romeo Cornell. Kind of a hall pass. You know, he, he's getting a pass. Uh, we've gushed about him for years. He's escaped criticism, but I'm sick of Romeo just matching up his secondary and linebackers with whoever is on that side of the field. Calvin just said it. Zach Cunningham cannot be covering Odell Beckham in the slot ever. And you saw that in the first half. Put your best corner on Odell every damn play. J. Joe wasn't even he wasn't even covering o- Odell Beckham a lot of this game. Um, they got lucky that Odell didn't do more than he did, but this happens way too often. This is one of my frustrations with Romeo. My other frustration, Brian, is he does not decide to get aggressive until the second half. Blitz early. This is Eli Manning. This ain't Aaron Rodgers. This is not Tom Brady. This offensive line is not supposed to be any good by the Giants. And they just did not come at Eli until the second half. What what are you waiting for? I thought that was all J.J. Watt there. I don't know if that was a play call, but I think that was just pure athleticism by J.J. Just jumping on it and getting to uh, Eli Manning. And that was a guy that I predicted uh, out of some of the guys I was looking at to see who would be able to get uh, to Eli Manning today. And I was thinking it'd be D.J. Reader. I was hoping that Edgefield Ford was going to get some time, but it looks like that that wasn't the case. But uh, wow, three sacks! You, you tell me that you know, you know, going back, you know, before you know the injury started, and then you know, as we got through, you know, what he went through last year, that he'd be able to come up with a three sack game after what he has been through. I mean. You have to say it, but the old J.J. Watt uh, is back. He he is back. I don't know how long he's going to be back, but, you know, I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. And it's just a shame that he just couldn't have the support because I think that, you know, off of one of those sacks, to be honest with you, it lifted them up as a team because, you know, he got up. He was, you know, riled up, getting the crowd involved and everything, and everybody just got pumped. And then all of a sudden the air got let out. Um, again, whenever uh, Deshaun Watson threw uh, that interception later on. So uh, it's just, wow, it's just a game of highs and lows. And the Giants are not a good team. Uh, we should have been able to beat them. We should be able to beat Indianapolis next week. We should be able to beat the Cowboys the following week and the Bills uh, as well. We should be talking about being 4-2 and two in the next couple of weeks. And then now we're just talking about how are we going to salvage this season? 
And what does that actually mean to us? As you mentioned, what does a salvage actually mean? Is it six and ten? Is it seven and nine? Go 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 ahead. Go ahead. I'm waiting. <laughs> go ahead. You tell me. I you know what? As far as how I predicted this season to go, you know, I thought it was going to go twelve and four, and that's you know with everything going right, and then you, you, what we're experiencing now is just about everything that could go wrong has gone wrong uh, for this team. I mean, we didn't expect Deshaun Watson, like like you said, to have such a uh, regression, but. Now, just with the way we're playing, I'd be lucky if we get six wins, maybe seven. You know, we're we're going to be under five hundred. Um, you know, like like I say, I'm the, I'm the most optimist out there. But I'm looking at what I see out on the field, and you wonder has Bill O'Brien lost the guys in the locker room already? Even after getting that extension, has he lost the locker room? Brian, uh, you're going to have to write. Well, I'm, I'm just going to say it. Brian will write a written apology to all our listeners for predicting Zach Cunningham as a pro bowler. I sure did, didn't I? I, I <laughs> but, you know, he, he was put in that situation by Romeo, and that's not, you know, his strength, you know, trying to guard Odell and, and everything. But it was bad for Zach. It's, it's not just Odell. It's not just Odell. He's looked terrible in coverage all over the place. Against the Titans, too. He sure did. I mean, yeah, there, there's, there, there's, you know, there's Gronk. It was some stuff, but he's also looking bad against whoever they put him with in coverage this season. It, it's, it's not looked good all the way around. It was interesting. Sharice Wright played cornerback, started at cornerback. Kareem was moved back to safety. Kareem did play great again at safety. I love Kareem at safety. If you can get yeah. a cornerback that can just hold things down again, no Kayvon Webster. He was not activated. Uh, apparently, Kiki QT, uh, we're going to have to send him to Germany to get new hamstrings for next year, uh, along with along with everybody that's played wide receiver in the slot for the Texans because Bruce Ellington, you know, had his own hamstring and always seems to have that kind of issue. You know, it, it's really frustrating because, like I said, I've told I've said this before throughout the summer. Uh, QT looked like he was just going to be dynamite as a slot wide receiver. He was going to give you a whole new dimension to this team and it sucks, but look, you know, I, I don't know what uh, you think on this Calvin, but I'm going to go back to the, to Romeo and it, it's the aggressiveness. You know, he's kind of a guy that like, okay, we're going to make you go 70 yards down the field. You're going to have to execute every single play. The problem is, uh, that's happening way too often, and the Texans need some help. When you're aggressive, turnovers happen. You know, I, I'm reminded of the Buddy Ryan back in the day, the blitz, the blitzing. They would call it the blitz grits, I guess, or something. You know, it, that sort of stuff, you get some offense sometimes from your defense. The Texans don't seem to turn the ball over much. You know, you can't turn the ball over unless you're getting pressure on the quarterback. And you're making the guy make some quick decisions, make some bad throws, and and maybe knocking him. And you you just can't depend on it. Just JJ Watt, and that's it. I mean, you know, they started to do it in the second half, but you got to do it for the whole game. Yeah, I I agree. I think the Giants were I think five of seven on third downs in the first half, and they were like Eli was sacked I think six times last week against Dallas on Sunday night, and then I thought that would carry over to this game with the Texans, but I touched on it in my article before the game. I think they only had three sacks in the first two games. And then obviously in the first half of this game, they didn't, they were pressured. They were, they were bringing people, but they couldn't get to him and he would pop 
slants in there to Odell Beckham. He would find Sterling Shepard on some plays. Uh, he made, I think Evan Ingram went out and he made Evan Ingram's backup look like Gronk. Like it, it was really, really uh, frustrating to see them put pressure on Manning, but he would still just fire in there. I think, and I'm reading his line right now. I think he only had four incompletions or five incompletions the whole game. So you, you got to put pressure to not be able to put pressure on Eli and Manning is very, very disappointing. With that offensive line, I totally agree. I mean, um, you know, this is a guy that's, you know, getting up into way up into his years. He's going to be, you know, retiring pretty soon. You know, I, I just thought that, you know, we would be able to stymie him a lot more than he had. I mean, his passer rating was probably in the triples. I think it was 132.8, if I'm not mistaken. Passed for two touchdowns, no interceptions. And another thing is we're not we're not forcing turnovers. I mean, we're not winning the takeaway battle. And that's something that, that this defense, you know, Romeo Cornell defense, we haven't always been – you know, the team that would lead the league in takeaways, but we were always decent enough to where we would make it count uh, in the win-loss column. And we're, we're not forcing the turnovers like we used to. You know, J.J. is, you know, trying to do what he can out there, but he can't do it all by himself. Yeah, you just said it. J.J. can't do it all by himself. And let me just say this. Uh, Bill O'Brien and J.J. Watt fired back at the media in the last couple of weeks. Deshaun's fired back at the fans in, their pre- in the press conference as well over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'd like to see this team and coaching staff save that anger and focus for their opponent. Shut up already with your whining and complaining about the questions that you get from the, from the media, which is this is the softest media in the league. It's ridiculous. I mean, the Texans media is softer than Jello. I mean, you, you, I, you can't understand how you guys can get mad at some of the reporters' questions around here. You know, just... Freaking answer the questions and start, uh, you know, start doing it on the field. If you want to, sh- you you want to prove a point, show me on the field. I mean, I, I just I do not understand uh, their ire and their anger at, at basically nothing at this point. Like it, 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 you're showing me like you you're not tough. You got a soft skin. Uh, I mean, and Brian, I mean, we haven't talked about this at all with Bill O'Brien, and and, and I think he, this press conference. Did you hear it? He didn't say anything. That was he didn't get angry at anybody in this one, did he? No, no, he he was very nonchalant about what he was saying. He was like, "I've got to call better plays. I got to do a better job at this. I got to do a better job at that." You know, it's it, it's on me. You know, he he wasn't angry at all. He seemed very very relaxed. That's a problem. After you've lost the way you did against the Giants, I see that uh, being a problem. But it sounds like a man of comfort. A guy that has four extra years on his contract. It sounds like a guy that's resigned to me uh, to what's happening. It doesn't sound like he's just comfortable. I think he's just like he doesn't know what to do. And that's the problem. I don't think Bill O'Brien knows what to do to win games. And my point in the in, in, in the way he's reacted at press conferences is like that's in the heat of the moment. That's when you've got to be your calmest. And that's why he's not a good coach on the field during games because He's not good under fire. He's not good when it matters. That's that's an issue as a head coach. And, and, and this is something that we've seen way, way too often. They just don't seem like a team that's comfortable under fire. I got some confidence that Deshaun Watson can be that guy. But, you know, he's got to solve some other issues. The accuracy. Uh, and, and, and this year he's making the, the mistakes that we didn't see him make. You know, I get it. Like I said, trying to make the big plays. I understand it, 
but you know, you, you just, you, at some, sometimes you just got to say, all right, this is the NFL. It's not there. Let me just live to do the next play, not throw the ball, you know, into double coverage in the end zone or something like that. Um, you know, I, I, I do want to get to some good stuff in the game for the Texans. Believe it or not, there, there was some positives. Uh, Brian, Will Fuller is turning into a star. And I, I want to say this about Will Fuller. Uh, everybody used to think, oh, the guy can't catch. He's got terrible hands. He catches everything now. You said, oh, when he gets yes. hit, he goes down real easily. Um, you know, it, it, he's this light guy. He's, you know, five foot nothing, a hundred nothing like Rudy from Rudy Rudiger from from, uh, you know, Notre Dame. No, no, no. This guy's like a fullback. You you try to tackle Will Fuller and get him. To, he's bouncing off of people. He's dragging people. Will Fuller has turned himself into a player, and I got to tip my cap to him. You saw that. You know, there were some plays, you know, where, you know, Deshaun threw it right up in the middle of the field. Will Fuller got right there, you know, in position to catch it, and he started going with the ball. He got tackled at first, and he didn't go all the way down. Got right back up, kept running. I mean, he was just picking up yards like crazy. So that's a great point that you brought up about that, that, uh, that you know, Will Fuller, you, know, you look at the Titans against, you know, what we saw last week. We weren't, we wouldn't even be in that game if it wasn't for Will Fuller. So that's how much he means to this team. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, he's getting double covered, sometimes triple covered. You know, everybody knows he's going to try to go to him. But again, Going back to Kiki Cutie and with Bruce Ellington's injury, I don't know if we talked about Bruce. Bruce had to leave the game, and then he went to the sideline. He took his helmet off. He didn't come back into the game. So this could be Kiki Cutie's debut. I think he is a healthy stash because they're not sure with Bruce Ellington's health. They might have Bruce set, you know, for you know for next week, and then have Kiki come out there and try to play. But again. You know how Bill O'Brien is with the rookies. He doesn't play them unless he has to. But again, your situation here right now is uh, you're out of options. You're option poor in terms of weapons on offense and using them effectively. You need to throw everything you can at every opponent that you have coming up to try to go out and put some points on the board and win these games. I guess another positive, I'm, I, I don't know about the players. We talked about J.J. Watt already, Will Fuller. Those were the, the two major wins. DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, of course, he, he was solid. But uh, the other good news for the Texans, I guess, is the Titans beat the Jags. So they're they're only two games back. <laughs> they're only two games yeah. back now. <laughs> Believe it or not. I mean, the, the Jags could have gone 3-0 and, and you'd have been three games back, three games into the season. So I, I guess that's a positive. I mean, but d- does anybody believe in this Texans team that they're going to get it going? I mean, is anything going to change? Or you know that we know what's the, we know what some of the issues are, and and and, and it's like. Every fan can see it, and apparently the coaching staff and and and, and, and to some degree Deshaun and Deshaun needs to take some blame here too. But the coaching staff and this organization seems to be uh, blind as a bat. They 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 basically, you know, they remind me of some college qu- quarterbacks that I saw play on Saturday. They have no peripheral vision, none whatsoever. And as as much as we talk about being bad at zero and three. There's a whole bunch of parity in this league this year, a whole bunch of parity. I think the Rams are probably the only team that's really kind of 
kind of set themselves apart from everybody else. But everybody else is kind of in the same pack. You know, they're all running together and as well as in the division, too. So, again, there still may could be a shot. That may be, you know, our situation. I'm not going to say we are completely out. I would have to say against the Colts, that is a must win. But likely the season's over for them to get over the hump. You know, I just, you know, it, it's just a very difficult thing, especially with the the errors, the things that we're seeing out on the field. I just don't think that you're going to be able to shore that up in, in one week. I mean, this is going to take a whole off season, and it's going to have to take some more players to be brought in that can understand and grasp what they're trying to do here, which I'm still trying to figure that out myself. All right, we're going to get some final thoughts in, in a bit from everybody, but I uh, just want to remind you, if you're enjoying Lockdown Texans, Tell your friends. Let them know they can find us on Spotify, the Google Podcast app, and iTunes. Support us by sharing our show links with your social media followers and take a few seconds. Please rate us on iTunes. We want you to be a part of the conversation as well. So email LockedOnTexans at mail.com for questions or comments. It's all in the show description in case you forget. And, hey, you don't want to just watch the Texans from home this season when you can be at NRG Stadium in person Thanks to Vivid Seats. They offer great prices for NFL games and all live events. All live events, you know, not just the Texans. And our listeners receive $20 off orders of $200 or more if you're a first-time customer. Just use uh, our exclusive promo code LOCKEDON. That's LOCKEDON, all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You know how to spell that one. All Vivid Seats customers uh, or confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. Go to vividseats.com or download the app, enter the promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more for new customers. It's a great, great way to save money the next time you go to a game or go to a live event and Vivid Seats. They definitely want you to be there and want you to be in and at the game. Some special teams numbers uh, towards the end of the show here. Trevor Daniel. 51.7 yards per punt. So Leckler's return may not be as imminent as we thought. He had a good game. Trevor Daniel did. And Tyler Irvin, 15 yards of punt return on three chances, including a 27-yarder. Two kickoff returns for 20-yard, you know, 20.5 yard average. He's never, though, going to break anything, guys. He does nothing on offense. I keep wondering, again, What's what's Tyler Irvin still doing here? <laughs> well, you know, Tyler, you know, that's that's the guy that I had cut from the team. You know, I, I was in love with Troy Main Pope because of, you know, his versatility. I think he would have been able to make just as much of an impact on uh, special teams. But, uh, you know, with, with Tyler, you know, he is a fourth round pick. You, you did invest a lot in him. So, you know, what's worth keeping him around, you know, a little bit longer. And I mean, he is. You know, he had that 27-yarder, like you said, and I remember seeing that, and I got up. I was like, whoa, is this the same Tyler Irvin that I'm used to seeing? Not <laughs> making much uh, inroads with the yardage, you know, whenever he's returning. But um, I, I, you see a little bit of improvement there. But again, you know, I, I think we could do better, you know, by bringing somebody else in. I think it was good. He got some heat on his back, and he's playing better. So that's that's my best take on in, in regard to, to that. Uh you know, unless you guys have something different. He's like, uh, he feels like some sort of, uh, his, a little blankie for, for Bill O'Brien. He's like his little yellow, you know, um, I, 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 one of my family members had a little yellow blankie and when they were a kid. And, you know, it was just like, you know, they would keep the yellow blankie with them. And if, if the yellow blankie was gone, 
you know, there, it was like, oh my God, there was going to be a fit thrown. Something was going to happen. And there's a couple players on this team. You just, you, you sort of wonder if they're like OB's little blankie, like he's got to have them around for some reason. He feels safe with them. You know, Tyler Irvin for the most part is going to hold on to a punt, I guess. And that's what he likes about him. I don't know. Was it, was there anything that we missed by the way, uh, Brian and, and, and OB's press conference, anything that he said or anything that you heard from any of the other guys? I mean, Julian Davenport, obviously, you know, he was doing a mea culpa, you know, it's, I, you know, I can't do that five penalties. We know, we know Julian, we know you can't do it. And, and there's not much he could say, uh, you know, Tyron Matthew, he's saying it's not the coaching. It's not the play calling. It's on us. I, I, that's what you would expect. I mean, what else are they going to say? I mean, that's just, you know, it's your, it's your boss. You're not going to, you're not going to go after your boss at this point, but boy, it's, it's the same thing over and over again. I mean, it, you know, play calling is I mean, coaching is not play calling. Uh, coaching is also, you know, making your team execute, having your team being at its best on game day. And, 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 and this team isn't, it's not right now. And it hasn't been all year. Yeah, in the situation, you know, with, you know, the players and the coaches, you know, you, you have to say that this this is part of this is more on the coaching than it is on the players. We have too much damn talent on this team, too much. And it's 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 amazing that we are staring at 0 and 3 right now. The players, you know, they're so loyal. They're not selling their coaches out. But I know. It, it, it's a coaches. I, I'm still, like I said, I'm wondering why the heck Mike Devlin's still here. I mean, obviously he's not been able to get there a little better, but again, that comes down to coaching too. I mean, it, it, it's a situation. And then Romeo Cornell, I don't want to say it, but maybe this guy has lost his fastball. I, 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 I it's just, they're looking not, they're not as bad as they were when Mike Rabel was here. Cause we were a lot worse, but we're, kind of a middle of the road defense now. We're not, you know, number one or, you know, top five, you know, like we usually have been. But again, I don't know if Romeo Cornell needed to take some snaps on the, on the sideline like everybody else needed to as well, you know, let him take snaps. But uh, yeah, it, it's just having your players prepared to come out and win a game. That seems like such a simple task to do, but it's simply something that hasn't been done these past three weeks. We see it. We see it every time we go out there and we look wherever we're looking at on TV or out in the stands. We see it. And it's a huge problem. I don't know how simple it is. I mean, they're they're getting paid a few million dollars. I'm not saying they're worth that, but I think, you know, it's hard to find good head. I mean, I watch every other team around the NFL and there's some there's weird stuff going on. You see it all throughout the NFL. There's just some weird, stupid stuff that you see every single week. You sometimes feel like these guys Aren't, aren't the best at sometimes thinking on their feet. Uh, I mean, just like uh, Calvin, I mean, you saw this too. The Texans are inside the 10 yard line. And, and I don't know if this is a coach or I don't know if this is Deshaun, but somebody decided we're inside the 10 yard line. Let's run a screen play. I mean, what does that ever work ever in football history? A screen play inside the 10 yard line inside your opponent's 10 yard line. No. Yeah, I, I completely agree. My, the wide receiver screen to me is probably my least favorite play in football because it has such a low ceiling. And but if you hit like one out of 10 or two out of 10, you think it's going to work every time. But especially, like you said, in, inside the 10 yard line, a wide receiver screen is just you you can't control it being a fan watching on your couch. And you just want to like, no, run this play. Do not run 
a wide receiver screen on first and goal. It, you will get a, like a loss of one or at best back to line of scrimmage. And yeah, I, I agree. It, I, I can't stand that. A misdirection is sometimes something that they will call inside. The, I mean, they've called some really strange stuff. And, and, and I tell you what, if it's Deshaun calling that play, then that's also bad coaching because Bill O'Brien needs to communicate to him. Look, if we're inside the if we're inside the twenty yard line, you don't we don't run a screen ever unless there's like the whole defense is on one side of the field and that guy's sitting wide open and nobody's within like thirty yard twenty or thirty yards from him. That's the only time I would think you would run that. And, and you just and you don't run misdirections like it just doesn't work because the defense is all they can't they're not that far back they can't be that far back. So it, it's 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 almost impossible to get the room that you need, you know, unless you just have this incredible athlete that can just somehow escape fourteen different guys running at him and and and, and super fast. I mean, it just it just doesn't happen. I, also, uh, I, I do want to say that you know Saquon Barkley got to give him a lot of credit. I mean, that guy's super talented. He did some incredible. Th- I mean, you sometimes you just got to say, hey, let's give some props to the to the uh, opponents and. Uh, boy, but what I don't want to give props to is Eli Manning having his second highest completion percentage in his career. Brian, in his career, in his career, second highest completion percentage. I kept looking at those numbers, and they they were looking mighty good. We made Eli Manning look like a pro bowler once again, like the Super Bowl MVP that that he was. I mean, I I just couldn't wrap my head around, you know, what I saw out there. And uh it, it, in terms of what we need to do uh, out there just to ensure that, you know, that 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 we go out there and we execute and we, we go out there and win games is that I don't think that everybody's on the same page because I think it's just everyone's pointing the fingers at different areas instead of either at themselves or, you know, you know, the right situation, you know, Bill, you know, like we said, you know, Bill O'Brien saying, you know, you know, it's on me, it's a play calling. And then and Deshaun Watson says, no, it's the execution. I mean, obviously there's something wrong there and that not everybody is on the same page of what, what we're doing. It seems like when we start speeding stuff up in the second half, I don't know if that's more of Deshaun just getting anxious, trying to get things going, or is it Bill O'Brien? I really do think it's more of Deshaun of anything. Um, I think, Still, the way that relationship works is that they work together and say, take this out. This is not working. Let's add this in. And, you know, they try to get something together. But again, you're not seeing the Sean Watson of uh, 2017, you know, in those, you know, six and a half games or so. And it's just, you know, it's it's it's, it's just uh, unfortunate that uh, we're, we're seeing this. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I tell you what. I mean, you look at the schedule and you go, man. Eh. Uh, these are some what these were you, before the season. These look like winnable games. Like, oh my god, we could make a run here because they're oh they're at the Colts and the Colts are ten. No, the Colts all, almost beat the Eagles with Carson Wentz on Sunday. Oh, the Cowboys uh, they've slipped a lot this year. They got some pro, oh, but the Cowboys they haven't played all that bad. They they played okay this year. And then the Bills. Hey, the Bills are t- no, the Bills just won. They're not stinky. Yeah. They just won a game. They crushed the Vikings. And then you go, okay, uh uh-oh, it's the Jags. So you got them now. And then oh the Dolphins. Well, that's you'd be No, the Dolphins are three and oh. They think again. The Dolphins are three games better than you right now, three games into the season. So yeah, the Texans schedule, easy schedule in the NFL, not so fast. 
not so fast. And the the, easy, the people that have the easy schedule are the people that face the Texans is what it looks like until I see a totally different team come out uh, and maybe actually show up for first half, look well coached. Uh, the offensive line doesn't look like a train wreck. Deshaun looks like he's not throwing at the ground. Some, I mean, there's so much. I mean, it's just pathetic. But we're going to get into it as the week goes on. Jason Braddock is scheduled to come on with us in tomorrow's show. You're not going to want to miss that. He's coming out of hibernation. Some of you I know loved him on the radio, might miss him. Uh, we're going to bring him back out of hibernation. He's got a big announcement to make as well. Don't forget to support us by sharing our links with your social media followers Rate us on iTunes. Big Blue Texan 72 said on iTunes, he found this podcast during the offseason, really made him invest into the 53-man roster. He says, great job, guys. Also want to thank Vincent on Twitter who said, I love it. Wish I started listening sooner. Makes my work commute so much better. Well, we're, we're trying. I don't, I don't know if the Texans are trying to make your work commute better, but we're trying to make it better. Thank you so much, Vincent. You can get more Texans content on LockedOnTexans.com. Andy Rio and Calvin Crawford doing fantastic work. Thanks again to Calvin for joining us. Look for Brian's work on the Texans, Astros, and Rockets on HouseOfHouston.com. If you want to hear my takes on the Astros and Rockets, listen to me and my co-host RG Seal on the Houston Sports Talk podcast. Five years now. And running for that. That's all we got for this Locked On Texans, though. As always, thanks for making us a part of your week. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah.